Hi, I'm Jay Robinson and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to our NL Full-Time Preview Special. We are back once again for another season. We've had a rest, we're all rested up, ready to go. and We're hopeful that the National League season will be up and running in the next week or so. And we're going to do it in three separate stages this time. We're going to have three different looks at the division. So we're looking now at the National League South and joining myself, Luke Edwards, it is Tom Lang, our resident National League South expert. Hi, Tom. Hi, Luke. How are you doing? And official Hampton and Richmond Borough photographer. Yeah, it's been a, quite a pre-season down at the Beverly so far. I'll tell you all about it as we get going. Yeah, and we've also got former Hungerford Town manager and now starring for Fairford, Further down the league in the Hellenics League. It is Ian Herring. Hi, Ian. Morning, mate. Would it, would it be right to say you're starring or? <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> how's, it, how's it been for you? Being, are you enjoying back playing again? I know you enjoyed the management side, but you enjoying the playing side as well? Or have you got that itch to get back into management? Um, yeah, no. At this moment in time, sort of reassessed certain things, and I'm I'm loving spending more time with my with my son and my wife. To be totally honest, and the, and the football side of it, I'm absolutely loving. Fairford Fairford do things right down there. Jody Bevan's an excellent person, as well as a manager, and they've got a great bunch of lads. And it's a bit of a throwback, really. All the lads stay behind after for a couple of hours and have a good drink, and the reserves are in there as well. Obviously, with the COVID um, sort of regulations that come in over the weekend, that's a bit difficult now. But no, I'm loving back in play, back playing again. And um, I think when you haven't played for a while and you go back to it, you do you do realise um, the the old cliche: you're a long time retired, and and that's very true. I know Rob said that. Rob said that in one of the last podcasts. He said. Ian needs to carry on playing while he can, while he's still young and he still can. Because you're yeah, not, not old yet. <laughs> no, I'm 36. I'll be 37 in February. But I've sort of the thing is, when you're in management, it, it consumes your life, and it took over my life, um, which, which I loved, and I, I'm sure one day I will go back to it. But um, it consumed my family's life as well, and and it, I kind of neglected myself. I put on a bit of weight where I wasn't exercising as much as I should have been, and, and lockdown happened, and I've sort of lost weight back playing again and loving it I, I feel I could probably play higher but I'm helping a helping a great guy in a great club at, um, at Fairford yeah well I said just before we came on air I said you're looking really well um, thank you <laughs> looking tanned fit it's, it must be going <laughs> must be going well that fitness regime not going too bad mate <laughs> <laughs> Brill so we're going to look at the National League South so I just want to get your thoughts guys on on, on who you think uh, will be the favourites. I mean, the obvious standout is is having. I'm guessing. Um, yeah, I think I think every year the um, the, the I think as well as signings, the, the 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 key thing is retaining the large majority of your squad, and and they've lost one or two in Wes Fogden, and who who works his socks off, but they've replaced him with um, young. I can't pronounce his surname. Joe, the lad Joe that they've got in from St Albans. And um, they've also got Diara and Godfrey Poku, who have got, who have got experience of taking Woking up. And I think Godfrey Poku is a huge, huge signing for them. I think he should be playing in the Football League um, personally, but he's not and, and haven't have pulled off a coup by signing him. And, and yeah, they're, they're, they, go in, they, go, they enter the season as favourites. I think, it, is it Joe Yakafino? Is it Yakafino? Yeah, Joe Yakafino. Yeah. Yeah, you know, finished the season last uh, third top scorer in the division. Only Darren McQueen, who's obviously gone up to Dagenham now, and Jonah Younger, who's with Bristol Rovers in the Football League, finished above him in the goal scorer. So that's a, a really astute signing. The only concern I ever have with Haven is, you know, they say you should never go back in football. I kind of feel like Paul Doswell is going back to Sutton, but just in a different place. You know, it's, it's a lot of the same players, a lot of those same names we see cropping up. Um, you know, to- Tommy Wright's come in this summer. Um, he's been joined by the players that are already there, Ross Warner, uh, Rory Deacon, Josh Taylor. It's it's kind of, it feels like he's trying to recreate what he had at Sutton, but Sutton was a very unique environment, a very unique club. Um, and whilst I agree completely that haven't, uh, they're, they're going to enter as one of the strongest for, for the title, I, I find it difficult to look beyond Dartford. I think with with what Steve King always brings to the table, with some of the players he's brought in and how, how well they finished the end of last season, I think... I think Dartford, I, I, I fancy them this season. 
Funny enough, when I asked that question then and I said about having, uh, Dartford was in my mind as well, don't rule out Dartford. Steve King did an amazing job, didn't he, when he went in there and, and the fact they were just penalty kicks, all right, albeit bad penalty kicks away from going up, just says uh, the job he did there. Dartford, yeah, Steve King, he, very successful manager at this level of football. He knows how to get teams promoted and, and win leagues and and yeah, the, 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 they've kept... They've kept the players they wanted to keep and they've strengthened as well. Obviously, they have lost goals in Darren McQueen, but um, I'm sure that they've, they've replaced that. Um, they've signed the goalkeeper, Craig King, from um, Oxford City, who's a, who's a big character. And, uh, and I think he got an England C call up at the end of last season. So he's an experienced keeper for that level as well. And, and I think you do need that, uh, that good base um, to, of a good keeper, strong back four to to be um, a title winning team, and I think they've got that. And he's he's done so well at clubs with much lower ambitions in the division. Uh, you know, when he was with Whitehawk in this league, I know they did go down, but the run he had towards the end of the season was fantastic. When he was with Welling, he was one of the four managers in in the non league system. Um, they have, I know they've lost goals this this summer with Darren McQueen obviously going to uh, Dagenham, but I think Jack Barham. Uh, could be one of the signings of the, of the summer. I think he could really have a lot of fun in that team, being supplied by the likes of you know, Jacob Barkley, Ajapong, um, Elliot Romain, Kaijon Marsh-Brown. There's some some real firepower in that team as well, built on that solid back four and keeper that you're talking about. Ian. Obviously, Jack Barron was, was he was at Darkin last year and they were really keen to sign him. I think they put a bid in at one stage, didn't they? And there was a bit of to and throwing. So to kind of snatch him from under the nose of Darkin's a real coup. I think Dawkins did sign him at the back end of last season. Um, I think he was initially on loan there, was on loan at Welling, I believe, beforehand. Um, he's another very good player that works his socks off um, non-stop. He, he, he's a little rat up there, but he can score goals as well. And um, yeah, I think I, I think Dawkins did sign him and... Um, doesn't seem to have worked out for him at the end of the season or whether Dartford have pinched him off him, I'm unsure, because obviously Dawkins have brought in um, Alfie Rutherford from Haven and, and Wes Fogden, which are two astute signings as well. Um, but no, here, here I'm sure um, Jack Barham will, will, will do well for Dartford. And I think, I'm glad you mentioned Dawkins as well, because I think when you look at the division, those three clubs probably, in my opinion, I know there's a lot of talk about Street as well, but we'll, we'll they're building a whole team from scratch and are they actually even going to be in the National League South? I don't know at this moment. Um, I think Dorking, they round out that trio of favourites for me. Yeah, and Rob caught up with Dartford manager Steve King earlier on in pre-season. A little chat with Steve King down at Dartford, part of our uh, preview podcast. Steve, nice workout tonight against the Shots. Your team looked... uh, Given out, you've only been back a couple of weeks, sharp, hungry, and clinical. Uh, yeah, we didn't listen. We didn't start the best. Probably started with six trialists. Um, they started better than us. I think they should have been two or three nil up, but the keeper was outstanding with, with some brilliant saves, um, brilliant saves to keep us in the game. And we had a couple of chances of our own and didn't take them. And then I think it was like end to end, end to end. Good set piece. Charlie Sheridan scores. Does one, what he does. One nil up. Mm. Changed it completely. Second half, played more or less everyone that signed, and I think you could tell the difference. Mm. Taking it back a little bit, Steve, the king, if you'll excuse the pun, of getting to the playoffs and annoying and irritating as it is, you can't quite get across the line. Before you even look at what you're going to do with the team, and you get over that frustration of almost getting there, not quite. Did you? Do you look at yourself and think, what else can I do? What else can I do? Or does it just need to come together with a bit of lady luck? You got to bear in mind as well, I've won this league, so yes. I didn't have to do yes. it. I won it outright, um, nine points. So it's you've got to realise again this year where we were, fifth bottom, two points off relegation. To mm-hmm. so do what we did was an amazing achievement, 50 points in 23 games. Once we got there, I, I just felt that what I would call the, the, the players that are top players that are above this level didn't really show up That even though I felt we were better in the game didn't really show up and that's something that you know in the finals that I've had and we should have won three of those finals and we didn't um, so listen we, we've, we've built a hell of a squad here um, we've kept 
three quarters of the team from last year added quality to it. And you know we have to do our best again this year. And yeah, it's frustrating. I've managed in the league in that league, and I know how good it is. It's a good league. And you look at and you look at Weymouth um, pushing on as they will. And there was nothing. In, there was nothing really in it, was there? And uh, no, I felt you know when I've looked back at it, I felt we were a little bit better. Everybody said we were better. Mm. We had the better opportunities mm. without being too far ahead of them. Maybe just a little bit. We never took the lady luck. How do you see the National League South shaping up? It's a difficult one to predict. Obviously, COVID's affected everybody. Some are ahead of others, aren't they? Uh, some have been bold, some have been cautious. They have a tough league. Every league is tough, it gets tougher. You know, what you're finding is teams, teams players from them levels above drop down and then drop down and drop down. So, championship players are in League One, League One players. They're in League Two, League Two players are in Conference National, Conference National players are dropping down. So, you know, we've been lucky to pick up players, you know, good players that are, what I'd say, are better than this level. Um, so it's going to be a tough league, you know, there's, a, there's people, a lot of people you're spending, you know, a lot of money in this league and there's, there's some good teams put some good signings together. So, listen, it's old out at this now, but it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a tough league. It's a tough league to get out of and you do need lots of luck. You do need it. Injuries. This season's going to be unknown. As in so many games in such a short space of time, and injuries are going to play their part. You know, we've picked up three injuries in the first game. We've picked up another injury in the second game. We've picked up a hamstring injury tonight, Jack Barham. So it's injuries. You need a big squad. You're going to um, need a big squad, maybe some um, youngsters um, that are on the fringe. Yeah, um, and, um, and use the loan system as well, I guess. Well, the loan system is the big thing, really. The loan system is the big thing because the youngsters are not ready yet. And bearing in mind we're a team that's trying to aspire to get out of the league we're not here to just make numbers up and then bring people on as we can it's a tough division it's a, we need to try and get out of it and a lot of that is experienced players to get out of divisions and we will be losing the loan market to see if we can then get some freebies if you like for bigger clubs to help us mm. Good stuff. Well, uh, listen, it's great to catch up with you again so soon before the season starts and, and to see yourself and your team starting to crank up to where you want them to be. It is only a start of a long, long journey. Catch up with you later in the season, Steve. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. And that was Steve King. And as you mentioned, Dartford are up there and Darkin. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on Darkin, Ian? Yeah, they'll definitely be up there. They'll be one of the ones to watch. Um, definitely in the playoffs, no doubt. And I'm sure Mark White will want to, want to push for the title this season. I mean... Um, if you just look at their history, obviously they've come come a short, uh, long way in such a short space of time. But I think each year, each year they seem to take one year to establish themselves, find out what the league's about a little bit, and then they seem to go up the year after. And they've done that for for a number of years. Um, he he's marked a very very um, good businessman, good chairman, and the the, the sort of campaign that he's fronted initially to get the playoffs um, un- underway. He, he's, he, I think, is very admirable um, for the whole of non-league football, but he's also a very, very good manager, in my opinion. And, and the way they play the football, obviously, they've got the beauty of their, their um, artificial pitch at home as well, which means they can play football at home in the right way, if you like. Um, but there's going to be a lot of 3G pitches when they play away this season as well. So I'm sure that'll suit them. And um, yeah, definitely think they'll be up there. I'm, I'm really pleased you said that about Mark White as well, because it's so tempting, isn't it, to look at, and I'm sure we can all think names, but we won't name them, of other owner-managers who maybe don't perform so well in the dugout as they would like to. But Mark White has consistently, across all the divisions, demonstrated how adept he is, not just the team building, but a team rebuilding. Every season, he knows which players can make the step up. He knows which ones can't and need to be replaced. I think that's a real attribute. Um, and also, interestingly, you know, we don't know, well, I mean, maybe we don't know if the league will start. We certainly don't know under what conditions. But Dorking, if there is a lack of fan income, are one of those clubs who will, who will suffer less than others because they do have that money that's available from, from the owner if necessary. They're not reliant on club takings because the Surrey FA get the bar and the and the. the the uh, food takings uh, down at the uh, Meadow Bank. So they could be in better financial position than someone like, you know, certainly a Dulwich Hamlet, for example, who budget on 2,500 coming through the door every week. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how that sort of financial 
implications play out and, and whether they benefit a club like Dorking. Yeah, I think I think the financial side of it, it is going to be it's going to have a major impact this season. And, and if there is any funding or if fans are allowed in, etc., I think that could have a huge impact. And, and you touched on Dulwich there. Um, if 600 fa- fans are allowed in, then then for somebody like Dulwich, it's a, it's a huge hit. But for somebody like Hungerford, where, where they've got a, a, um, an average crowd of, I think it's 330 approximately, then, then their budget's fine. So um, I think this season, however the finances are, are worked out, it's going to have a major impact. And there's going to be some anomalies, if you like, of a normal season. And, and my old club, Hungerford, I can see them doing a lot, lot better than people expect this season. And um, one, one or two of the bigger boys not doing so well as we think. Well, and I think you'll be spot on. I, I completely agree with you there. I think um, I'm really keen to get your take on Hungerford and, and how Danny, what Danny Robinson's squad uh, building is looking like down there. But um, before we get there, I'd, I'd like to talk about maybe those sort of runners and riders who you would expect to be around the top. You know, Bath City were offered odds of 25 to 1 by Bet Victor. That to me just seems crazy long um, for a club with the quality they've got and the experience of Jerry Gill and the management seat. Fantastic each way, Bet. Um... They, they've kept hold of Tom Smith. I think he was on a two-year contract, player of the season for the division. Jerry Gill's an exceptionally um, astute manager. Um, again, one that tries to play football in the right way. Um, he's tactically very good. But um, again, what we were talking about earlier, goalkeepers. If you start from the goalkeepers there, they've, they've just signed Will Henry. So they've got Ryan Clark and Will Henry, two, two probably two of the best goalkeepers at, at the level, if not one above, in my opinion. Um, so, so starting at the back, they're, they're, they're very strong, and um, and then he's got great links with Bristol City and other other clubs to bring young loan players in in an, in when he needs to, and um, he knows what he's doing, Jerry. And I think it's just a, a question of of when they get out of the league, um, and and this year could be their year. Yeah, I, I think they've they've got to be considered a, a real contender for the playoffs and potentially a dark horse for the title as well. Yeah, I can't I can't rule them out. Again, the the, the financial implications that we've touched on, how that works out, it might hit somebody like Bath City quite hard because they get average of eleven hundred people. So, um, so yeah, the the finances would be tough, but that's that's where Jerry's contacts and his relationships with the young loan players um, will will come in very handy. Absolutely. And, um, you know, other teams that are going to be around there, um, Ebbsfleet United. So whether they're going to be in the league, I'm not sure. Luke, I don't know. Have you seen any updates on that? Or No, I mean, obviously, as we know, we'll get on to it next week more in our National League preview. But Macclesfield, unless you're an alien, have been kicked out of the Football League. I don't think they're going to be in the National League because they're going to be liquidated. But there's talk of Ebbsfleet maybe going in the National League because they're the best points per game ratio left at the end of the season. Um I mean, we, 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 can, we can obviously chat about them here because Ebsley, of course, got rid of your good mate, Kev Watson, didn't he, at the end of the season, Ian, which was quite a, a shock, really, because he did such a good job. I think it was a bit of a shock to him, but and, and they brought in um, a very and unknown Kenneth, manager. Kenneth Borussia Berlin. There we go. Not only just an unknown manager then at this level, but in, the, in this country as well. And I presume they'll be staying as one of the full-time teams in the South. So how do you see them doing then if they do end up in the National League South? Um, you think they'd be up there, but... Um... Unfortunately, I think a lot of people disrespect the levels when they come down and think it's easy to bounce back up, but it's not. It's a tough, tough division. And um, obviously, Ebsley have had a history of, a couple of years ago of, of, of being at this level, so they'll know what it's about. Um, they've got good, good ground, good facilities, and, and they've managed to retain some of the players that done ever so well for Kev Watson, and, and they're bringing some in as well. So, um, yeah, I'm sure just the just full-time aspect is a, is a huge benefit, um, especially at the start of the season when you're Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. You get one training session a week, which is difficult. So, um, so yeah, the full-time, the full-time aspect will have, a, will have an impact and I'd expect them to be up there. I mean, some of the players they've brought in as well, when you, Ian, you'll have managed teams against the likes of Jack Paxman, Bobby Joe Taylor... Um, Adam Mecky, I think James Dobson coming in on loan from Dagenham and Redbridge for the season. Yeah. That's a really good bit of business because we know how good he can be at this level when he was with Slough, 
I think they could they they could be dangerous. It just depends how quickly they can gel, and how quickly Dennis Kutcher can get used to what is a very very different style of football than the German fifth tier. I was going to say, is it a case of I know they wanted to cut the cloth, but is it a case of more they've snipped the cloth rather than cut it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know financially. Obviously, I I know bits and bobs of what Kev Watson was working with and what. <laughs> And the the conditions he was working under, um, which, which was frankly obscene, and makes makes. Feel free to spill it in. Don't worry, like you feel free to spill it. You're not in management now. Go for it if you want. Things like training grounds and stuff like that, not having the tra- being kicked out the training ground, and and not having travel for away games and stuff, and some of the results while all that's going on that that, that he pulled off is. You can't underestimate what he's done to to keep a to keep a group of lads at it when when the conditions and the environment they're they're training and playing in is quite frankly not what it should be for the for the level. So hopefully for Ebbsfleet, they 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 sort of the financial situation stays on track for the for the players more so than anything. Um, and yeah, if it does, obviously. It will be a new baptism of fire, if you like, from for a German lower level coming into these leagues. But, but again, he's he's got a full time. He, he's full time, so he's got plenty of time to get his ideas across. He's got experienced players that you'd think would know the game and understand what he's trying to ask them to do. Um, but added with that, if if the style of football he wants to play is keeping it on the floor and passing it around, they've got a lovely pitch at home. But um, he's not going to be coming up against in, in the middle of winter. He's, he's going to be going to a lot of um, artificial services again this year, which is going to help the teams that want to play football, which, again, mentioning other teams is why I think Billericke could quite well be up there as well. Yeah, Jamie O'Hara, I mean, you've got to show a lot of... Um, got to give him a big thumbs up, really, because he could have easily... He came in with um, Glenn Tamplin, then he, but he stayed there and he seems really committed to the club. He's really bigging it up on social media as well and, and fair play to him considering where he, he's played at a high level and stuff like that he's, he's really got stuck in hasn't he yeah and, and he's and again he's 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 made some good business over the summer as well you know we talk about Ebbsfleet um the likes of Frankie Sutherland or Laurie Wilson who obviously decided not to stay on with Ebbsfleet or, or weren't retained they're now at Billericay and, and they're really astute and, and well seasoned campaigners at this level they know what it takes to drive a club up the league and they'll they'll be effective, no doubt. And Jamie Horace, he knows football as well. You, you listen to him on the on the radio show, he understands the tactical element of the game. He's not just sort of that figurehead and was a former player at a high level who's going to come down and be involved with the club and have that star quality that's going to draw people in. He knows the game, he knows how to set up a team. And um, yeah, they, they could be dangerous. And of course, in Jake Robinson, they've always got a guy who's going to get you 20, 25 goals a season. Yeah, I think um, Laurie Wilson's a very astute sign-in. Um, added to that, the retention of Ronnie Henry. Um, the experience the experience those two guys have got for this level of football it, it, it's exceptional. Um, and I think that stand them in good stead. And again, another team with an artific- new artificial surface and um, the way Jamie wants to play football. Um, that suit them, and um, yeah, it, it's it, James' profile. But I think I'd like to see more people do, 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 doing that, and not just expect they should be given jobs higher, higher up the higher up the pyramid, if you like. Um, he's getting his hands dirty at this level. But that being said, I'd like I'd like clubs higher up the pyramid to start looking lower down at, at our level, if that makes sense. Because there's a lot of good good managers um, at step step two, step one. And I think I think they should be given a crack higher up. Yeah, I completely agree with that as well. I mean, it's, it's so you see it so often, don't you? Strikers get picked up all the time because they're the ones who score the goals. You, you know, you can pick who you want to scout based on looking at the goal scored column. You, you look at the goal scored and you see who's this Kabongo Shimanga down at Boreham Wood banging goals in a national league. Let's go and have a watch of him. However, you don't necessarily look at a stats column and see a centre back who is organising a defence consistently week in week out at the age of nineteen, for example. Um, or a keeper who might be conceding a lot of goals, but he's playing behind one of the worst defences in the division and actually is a, is a top-draw keeper. You don't see those stats. And likewise, you don't see what managers are working with. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, and, and added to that in, it, with, the, with the clubs that are in a full-time environment as well at step two. Um, like I said earlier, when, when, you're, when you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, and you've got one training session on a Thursday, it's very difficult. And what I touched on earlier and what, what Mark White does very well at talking 
is um, retaining retaining the, a large a large proportion of your players and building over time. Um, unfortunately, a lot of managers in this day and age aren't given time to build, and, and we've got a culture of wanting instant success. Um, where it's difficult at Hungerford, um, for me personally, is is the player retention. And unfortunately, the last two years, players players weren't getting paid. So. So kind of it was hard to it was hard to keep hold of players for the for the following season, um, but it's why I think they'll do well this year. They brought in a local manager. He's brought players with him that that know each other, but also that have been at the club previously. And let's not forget they've had a long, long time um, to be to try and be able to gel um, over pre season. So, um, but yeah, they're, 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 we're all we're all we're all um, working under different restrictions, and and even even the main maidstones of the world, I'm sure they'll complain, and they want things better as well. I mean, let's let's talk about hunger for a second as well, because Danny Robinson's come in. He did really well with Thatcham Town. Obviously, um, won the FA bars with them, got them promoted. Uh, was looking on course to challenge for promotion this year as well from Step Four until obviously the league was curtailed. By my count, I think he's brought in 17 signings. Um, one of the ones that really stands out to me is that of Luke Kearney in goal. I mean, I, I rated him as probably one of the best keepers at step three. Um, you know, keep, keeps goal for the army. I think he's a really good player and, and will be an asset at this level. How do you rate their chances? I know in the past, we've not seen eye to eye about where Hungerford would finish in the league. Um, I predict him go down a couple of seasons in a row. Um, Charlie Austin in particular has taken umbrage at that on social media. Um, but this season, I think they look a lot better place. I mean, I think lower half of mid-table is a really good is a really good aim for them. I think they shouldn't be involved in a relegation battle for sure. No, they I, they won't go down. I'm pretty sure of that. And like I said, Dan, Danny Robinson's um, he knows his stuff. Um, like you say, they've brought in a lot of players. Um, they've retained a lot of players. How they're doing things this year? Um, would it be how I wanted to do things? No, hence why I'm not there. Um, so I'm sure some of those players that are there currently will be will be asked to leave or will leave on their own accord. Um, but yeah, going from the back again, Luke Kearney's an exceptional goalie with his distribution. Um, so he, he's a good signing for them. He's somebody that I sort of know about from his links with the army and, and sort of the groundsman's Hungerford groundsman used to be the army goalie coach. So I've I've always kept an eye on Luke, but for me personally, with the low budget, it's, it's something that I always done to to utilise the loan system of a keeper that was for nothing to try and to try and um, use the budget elsewhere. If you like, um, was that right? Was that wrong? I don't know, but um, but no, they they brought in Matt Partridge as well. They've kept hold of James Rusby, Mike Jones, which I'd imagine will be playing at the back, which is a lot of experience. But they brought in a goal threat as well. Um, the lad, I think, from Cinderford, I forget his name. It is um, he's got goals in him. Um, the other lad they brought in from Batcham as well. He's got goals in him. So they'd they'd be tough. they be t- a tough team to beat, and it, essentially it's a tough place to go. Um, nobody likes going to Hungerford, um, and they'll use that to their advantage. And come come the end of the season, that sort of that sort of bottom half of the table. Is so um, is so sort of tight and congested, and it wouldn't surprise me if they finish in and around the in and around mid table and sneaking into the top half. And, and of course, this season only one club will go down from the National League South as well. Uh, we've got twenty one sides. Um, now they say the the only thing that you can guarantee when you make a prediction is that you'll be wrong at some point. So with that in mind, I'm looking at the squads, I'm looking at the sides, and and for me, it's difficult to look beyond Braintree Town as favourites relegation. I think. What they did under Bobby Quinton to get promoted all the way up to the National League was astonishing. Um, however, it just never really clicked for them at that level. I think, you know, you talked, you've talked at length about sort of resourcing of clubs and, and the infrastructure behind them that will enable them to compete with these full-time clubs. And Braintree just never really had that in place. And I think they're now, you know, last season, I think they had a turnover of almost 50 players through their squad in one season, which is just not manageable really at any level of football, let alone at one where... You've got other squads with, you know, such as, uh, you know, I look at Dorking as a good example, who have such a core of players and they get that consistency week in, week out. Slough or another one. I think Slough used about 16 players last season. I just think Braintree are likely to struggle. I don't see 
a, a huge amount in their business that I think is going to move them forward from where they were last season. But the teams who were around them, such as Hungerford, such as St Albans, really seem to have strengthened, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you, Tom. It's um, they, they started last season very, very well under Glenn Driver, and um, we picked up a great 3-0 um, result away at their place. But um, they, they started off extremely well, and I think if they didn't have that start, then then they would have been b- below us, and they were a team that we felt were in free fall and we were going to catch. Um, so yeah, the, the the run they've been on, and I don't, I've not really seen anyone that they've recruited, but just from knowing the the, the resources they've got, which is very similar to Hungerford, I, I think I think it'd be them. Unfortunately, that's if anyone will go down. And unfortunately, as well, yeah, well, that's the other thing. If absolutely go up, does anyone actually get relegated from National League South? But <laughs> the other complication brains you have is in that they're in such a densely packed area. You know, they've got Billericay as though competitors. They've got Chelmsford, who are probably traditionally the big boys of the Kent, sort of Essex, rather, non-league circuit. Um, you know, personally for me, I, I don't really see enough about Chelmsford to think they'll compete in the playoffs. Um, I, I really like Chippenham this season. Yeah. I really like the business they've done over the summer, and I think they're dark horses for a playoff push. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree. Um, Chippenham, I watched them against Supermarine. They look very good. They've retained... They've retained a lot of their players, but they've had added good players as well with good experience. Um, Brad Ash, who's lively up top, he's come in, and also Ross Stern from Bath as well. So, mm. so they've had they've added some some good good players. Um, Mike Cook is an exceptional coach and manager, as is Mark McGregor, and um, they'll get them playing the football they want to play. Again, it's another place that isn't nice to go, and um, yeah, I, I think they are dark horses for a playoff spot. Uh, another team who I think should be in contention, but it's difficult for me to discuss them, obviously, I've, as I've taken a role as a photographer at the club, is Hampton and Richmond. I think what Gary McCann has done in retaining the vast bulk of his squad from last season is a really good move and, and a positive change of direction for Hampton. They traditionally, you know, like Hungerford, struggled to do that. Obviously, they've seen Danilo Orsi Domo go up to um, Maidenhead, which is a big loss for them. You know Danilo very well from his time at Hungerford. Um, his movement and his attack, his pressing play was such a big part of how Gary organised his side. But in the likes of Ryan Hill, um, they've signed Nathan Minhas from Bracknell Town and Danny Bassett from, Concord, uh, from Tooting and Mitcham, who will replicate that pressing. But what do you think of Hampton? How, how are you assessing their, their summer business? Yeah, again, it's, it's, it's hugely important to um, retain retain your squad. Um, Danilo's obviously set, gone to add another step up and um, delighted for him because he was a big loss to us and, and a, goal score, a goal scorer is a big, big loss. Um, but they, from the, starting from the back, they've got Dean Inman, Charlie Wassmer, Luke Ruddock, um, three exceptionally experienced guys who are good, good defenders and know how to keep the ball out the back of the net. And um, obviously, keep, keeping hold of Ryan Hill's huge. He's a very, very good player. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if he gets a shot at the Football League very soon. Um, that, along with Sam Deadfield, who, who's somebody that I was very, very pleased that... Um, had a good season last season because I actually agreed to sign him two seasons ago from Basingstoke, um, not under, not realising that he was still under contract and, and Basingstoke blocked the move, basically. We're looking at sort of some of the, the other teams that would expect to be competing at the playoff ends and, and two of the names that jump out really are Slough Town because of how well they've done over the last few seasons and Maidstone United. Now, how do you rate the, the chances of those clubs? Um, yeah, Slough will be up there. They, they, uh, again, um, Bates and Unders, two very good managers, established themselves at this level of football now. And they've got a good, experienced group of lads um, that have been together a long time. So they've got that that spirit in their dressing room. They've lost their left back. Um, and I believe they brought in a new a new lad on loan from Norwich. This, this um, sort of done very well in the pre-season friendlies. And they've had, they've had some good results. They had a good result against Aldershot, I think, in the week. Um, and they beat Wealdstone yesterday 1-0. So, so they'll be happy with how their pre-season's coming along. And again, they're a team that had, had a not-so-good start to the season. And, um, and credit to them too as managers and the group of players to turn that round the way they did and finish as high up in the table as they did. Mm. And I think they will be in the playoffs again. Yeah, no, I think I agree. I think Slough will be challenging in that region. Um, if the, the big thing with Slough is it is they keep such a compact squad. You do the only concern I have for them is it, 
how much would injuries impact them to compare to some of the other teams around them, like, you know, Dorking and Haven't, who've got a much bigger squad and, and those resources to pick from. Um, and another side who've got those, that big squad is Maidstone. Um, you know, they have got the facilities which are going to attract players. But for whatever reason, ever since they've come down, they've just not really, they've still not really hit their stride. It's been two seasons now. Um, or, sorry, a whole season last, last campaign. Well, to find out more how Slough's pre-season preparations are going, Rob caught up with one of the joint managers at Slough, John Underwood. I'm joined by Slough Town Manager, John Underwood. Uh, John, useful pre-season workout for you. Is that uh, your penultimate one tonight against Aldershot? It is, yeah. We've we've given ourselves a tough run of games. We've just had Boreham Wood and uh, Weymouth and now Aldershot and Willstone Saturday. So we, we put those in as, as real tests for our boys and... We had a bad night here against Boreham Wood a week ago, but we've we improved Saturday and we've improved again, improved again tonight. So yeah, really pleased. I guess in these uh, uncertain times, you have to just keep focused on assuming that the league does go ahead on October the third. Yeah, we do. Obviously, there's all this noise out there at the moment, and uh, it doesn't look great for us. Um, and you know, just I think I think full credit to our boys tonight because you turn up with all this uncertainty going on around you, and you know we don't know what we might hear tonight tomorrow um thursday um but they were really professional about how they went about their business tonight and and were really up for the game which was as a manager it gives you you know it kind of warms your heart because you know i've got uncertainty in my head and and uh they're the ones who've got to go and do it on the pitch so yeah really pleased tonight and all that stuff's out of our hands really and and um you know we've all everyone's got their views on it and you know we're desperate for the season to start you know you work so hard in preparation for a season um, to then have it potentially taken away from you. So, yeah, we desperately hope something can get sorted. It was, uh, certainly from afar, it looked a, a good achievement for Southtown to reach the playoffs last season. Mm. How do you take that and, and, and try and convince yourself and everybody around you that you've got to go better? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it will be difficult. It, it was. I think I feel we overachieved finishing fifth last year up against some of the really bigger, more established clubs in, at this level. But we've... We've, you know, we've been only been here two years in this level, and I think we've established ourselves well now. Yeah, the, the aim has to be to try and get in the playoffs again, and, and then go one better. We obviously were disappointed with how we performed in the playoff game, but we were beaten by the better side on on the day. Um, yeah, one slight worry was would we come back with a bit of a hangover from those those playoffs, and um, we've kind of freshened the side up a little bit, and I think that's really helped. We've got some fresh blood in, some um, a few younger legs as well. Um, we're a little bit different. We, we, we're, we're probably a little bit more focused on more technical players potentially this year and, and looking to play more. I think we ended up being a bit direct at times last year. And um, yeah, some of what we saw tonight, particularly first half and, and Saturday against Weymouth, again, particularly first half. Second half in friendlies can get a bit disjointed. You make a lot of changes, but we've you kind of end up judging yourselves really on the first halves. And, and we've played some really good football again tonight. So. Yeah, hopefully we're, we're, we're set up to have a good season. And that was John Underwood. And as you say, Slough will be there or thereabouts again. And another team, as you mentioned, Tom, are, are Maidstone. And they really flattered to deceive last year, didn't they? They did, yeah. And uh, given the, you know, the, the facilities they have to attract players, um, you know, the experience they had in the, in the dugout last season as well, um, you know, John Still, Hakan Hayretin, they've done... Remarkable things, you know. John Still is a, is a byword for non-league success, isn't he? And and Hakan Hayretin knows the game inside out as well. So, it, it, for some reason, it just hasn't clicked for them. They've got the players, without a doubt. They've got the players in the squad. Um, you know, even this summer, they've added real quality, such as Scott Rendell and Joe Ellor. But it just doesn't click for them. Like, you know, obviously, you've you've been in the management seat, Ian, um, at this level. What is there anything you can see about the club that just doesn't quite work for you at the moment. We only played them at our place last year and uh, I think they beat us 2-1, possibly. They beat us anyway, but we felt we should have won the game. Um, it was early in the season, we had a new group of young lads and we were a bit naive and, and they beat us. But um, we felt there wasn't there that anything there really to sort of get you off your seat, if that makes sense. Um, I think that might be diff- different this time round. I think that they'll they'll know what the league's about. They know they'll know what to expect, and um, they brought in um, the the, the centre half that you just mentioned, Joseph Ulaw, um, who's a very good signing for them. Noah Chesmain, the left back, is a very good player we had on loan, um, but also I think they've got um, 
a star in the making in Ibrahim Ulatadi, I think it is, up front the, the, um, from Leatherhead. He went back out on loan to Leatherhead. I think they signed him on a two-year deal and he always scores goals there. He, he's quick, he's powerful and he knows where the back of the net is. And I think even though with the experience of, of bringing Rendell in, um, I, th- I think uh, Ulatadi will, um, will pull up some trees this season. I think as well with... Um... Hakan Hiratan did a really good job at Braintree, albeit in the fact they went down, but he got them close to, to staying mm-hmm. up. Do you think the shackles may be off with John still there now for him? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how it really worked, to be totally honest. I don't know who's calling the shots, etc. So, um, so yeah, Hakan's got a, a free run to do his own thing, shall we say. So, he's a good manager for this level of football. And, and again, they've got, they're full-time, aren't they? So, they've got that that. It's a huge benefit to be full time at step two against part time clubs, and if you're not if you're not doing all the analysis on your opposition and and preparing in the week for 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 how to beat who you're coming up against, then um, you want you want shooting really. But um, but yeah, I think that full time aspect can help them, and and I think I think they do better this season than they did last. But you look around the divisions, and actually. There's a lot of clubs who, good goal scorers are, are at a bit of a premium. They're hard to come by. Um, there's one who I think could make a step up well, who's coming at Tunbridge Angels this season, and that's Alex Akropi. He had a fantastic season at AV last season. I watched him in a pre-season uh, game a few weeks ago, and he looked lively, he looked like a good player. What do you think about Tunbridge? Do you think they've got, they were close to the bottom last season? They were probably the surprise package that got promoted the year before. Do you think they've got enough about them to, to pull away from that relegation battle this year? Um, I think they'll have a very similar season. I think they'll stay up as well. Steve McKinn's a very, very good manager. He knows the level. Um, but again, he's he's another he's another one. But financially, he's working working with his hands tied behind his back to a certain degree. I know they're really pleased about um, re-signing the centre midfielder, the lad that, that he, he went to play abroad, I think. Last season, I think they they feel he's a big player for them, so so I know Steve's happy with that. But no, they they'll be very hard working, workman like like team, and um, tough to break down, and and they'll pull off some surprise result or what you think would be surprise results, and I think they'll be fine staying up, to be honest. And Rob's been a busy buy. He caught up with Steve McKim uh, to hear his thoughts on, on pre-season so far. Well, NL full-time listeners, I've just met for the first time and uh, kindly got here for a few words. Uh, Steve McKim, the uh, Tunbridge Angels manager. Nice to meet you, Steve, to come to uh, Tunbridge's ground for the first time today. Uh, first and foremost, how was last season for you, Tunbridge Angels? I think 15th out of 22 when the season ended. Yeah, when the points per game were done, we ended up 15th. Um, when the season actually finished, we was third from bottom with games in hand. Found it very difficult to start with. In terms of, um, we'd watched a lot of the level, not knowing we was going up, but we watched a lot of football for different players and loans and stuff. So we watched a lot of the level beforehand, the season before. I'd come from that level when I was at Sutton as a, as a coach. And you, not a lot of players have, have changed. So a little bit older, but you know what they can do. And... I warned the boys before the season started that you make mistakes at critical times, you get punished because the strikers at this level are clinical and, and they take no prisoners. And that's what we found was making the odd one or two mistakes in games and we find ourselves one and two down and chasing the game. And teams at, at, at the level we're at, you know, are good at shutting up shop and then they could nick a third on the break or they, they're happy to take a 2-0 or a 2-1. So it was general mistakes to start with that were costing us individually. And then round about just before Christmas we started stopping their mistakes scoring a few goals which is always helpful and after Christmas we had a great run of uh, one defeat in nine so we seemed to learn from it and just disappointed at finish because we had a few games in hand and we wanted to climb the table Fascinating that two of the teams that came up to that level last season ended up in the uh, uh, you know playoffs didn't they it was, it was phenomenal really with Dorkin and with uh, Weymouth and Weymouth ultimately kicked on as well did you it's so easy isn't it it's lazy journalism, I'm sure, for people to have just written Tunbridge off last season. Did you use that a little bit, that little bit of siege mentality? Everyone thinks we're going to struggle, let's prove them wrong. Yeah, well, we had it the season before, and the season before that, when we was in the Bostick, that everyone said that we're a big club in that league and we should go up. You know, Tunbridge have been at National South level before this for three seasons. Um, they came up through Tommy Warlow, which was brilliant, and then, unfortunately, they got relegated, and we've been fighting five years to get back up. 
Well, with huge apologies to Steve McKing and to Tunbridge. Uh, so sorry. Uh, at that point, somebody tried to ring me and I didn't realise at the time that it had ended our recording. Um, Steve went on to make some great points about this coming season and in particular around the uncertainty of whether the National League season would get going uh, a week later on Saturday the 3rd of October and uh, one of those points was that um, something had to give really either the National League North and South uh, had continued elite status and therefore uh, you know should be due some um, financial support um, or that was removed in which case uh, you know fans a certain number of them at least should be able to uh, attend within the stadium obviously uh, as we're recording this preview pod is, is breaking over the course of the today and the next couple of days that should confirm the season starts. But uh, when Steve and I spoke, it, it was a little unclear. Refreshing to, to meet him, to hear from him and to see how well Tunbridge did. Remember, on points per game, they finished 15th uh, out of 22 last season. So uh, he'll be well prepared for the season ahead. And they certainly gave uh, Aldershot a good game. Uh, the shots running out, uh, running out three two winners on uh, Saturday. Yeah, I think Tunbridge. I, I agree with you. I think they they've got two two players in the field, uh, Cal De Costa and Christ uh both good ball players. Um, De Costa certainly got a bit of bite about him as well, um, and is an effective operator at this level. Um, and yeah, Steve McKim, he knows his job. He knows the game. Crucially, he knows the squad and he knows what Tunbridge can do. He's been there long enough now, um, and I think an extra year at National League South, they'll be. Yeah, they're not going to be challenged for the title or anything, but I think they'll be reasonably safe. I think two other clubs that I do have a little bit of fear for that they'll be at the wrong end are Welling. Um, as much as I like Bradley Quinton as a manager, I just think he's operating in some really difficult conditions there. Um, getting players in this summer looks like it's been quite a challenge for them. I'm also not entirely sure how Dulwich will perform this season. Um, you know, their, their financial constraints under the no fans could be a real issue for them. Um, and, and again, that player turnover that Dulwich have is just so high. Um, I think they... They've retained very few from last season. I just I think it might be a difficult season for them. I'm looking at the out column and they've got 18 players who've gone out the door this summer and that's a massive turnover at this level. Yeah, it's huge. Um, as, I, as I've said a few times earlier, one of the big things is retaining the, the, the better players in your squad. It, don't, it doesn't just help, obviously, to retain the better players. If you, if you can have that continuity from season to season to, to, to build that team spirit, if you like, and... And rather than lads getting to know each other off the pitch as well as on the pitch, it can be diff- difficult throwing a team together. Um, recruitment is huge at this level. Dulwich, obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a great place to go when you're playing in, in front of 3,000 fans. And I think that's what I think that can hinder them as well as help them um, to a certain degree. But um, Gavin Rose is a good, good manager and he's a good, good man. Um, I've got a lot of time for him. And I think they'll do better than what they did last season. Um, but again, it, it will come down to finances. And they probably haven't brought many in as many in as they would like because they just don't know where they're at because they, they do get so many fans through the door. And, and it's not just the, the money on the gate, it's the bar takings, the food takings, stuff like that. So um, I'm sure they just don't know where they're at financially and they're, and they're waiting for a bit of... For, for the National League or, or anyone to just let them know where they're at. And, um, but no, I think, I think they'll do okay. And I think they'll be in a strong position in the sense of if there is an announcement or anything with, with help with finances or fans allowed in, I think there'll be a lot of play, a lot of footballers out of work. And if you've got money in your budget and you're brave and you hold back a bit, I think there could be two or three players dropping down to this level that you think, oh, that's a coop, and I think a couple could end up at Dulwich. That's a real, a really good point as well, isn't it? We looked at Hungerford; they've done a lot of their business very early in the summer. Is is this going to be one of those summers where even up to EFL League One and League Two, clubs are ha- offering on smaller squads, and they're going to fill those squad gaps with youth team players? So as we get, I think you're 100 percent right. As we get towards the end of the summer and the start of the season. It's going to be a lot of players who are looking around thinking, I was expecting that contract at League Two or National League. Where can I go? Um, yeah. Could, it, Dulwich, it could, could Dulwich be a beneficiary of that? It happened to me years ago. I left Eastleigh and, and after sort of 
a number of years playing step one and then at step two you you, you kind of think the phone's just going to ring I'd never had an agent or anything like that and it didn't ring so I ended up having to pick up the phone myself and that's why I ended up at Hungerford at step four and um, when I first took the job at Hungerford I spoke to a lot of people who were giving me advice and things like that and I spoke to Daryl Clark who's at um, Warsaw now um, and he'd done an exceptional job on a low budget at Salisbury. So I was picking his brains on that. And it was kind of him that sort of said to me, if you can be brave. And some people panic and like to get their work, to get their work, all their recruitment done early, which can be a very good thing. If you know who you want and you know, and you've got the ability to go and get them, great, get it done early. But sometimes you, you can't, you can't have who you want, if that makes sense. And you have to try and get a few rough diamonds. But if you can be red, brave, hold your nerve. Um, that there will be a few players that will come available that, that you wouldn't expect. And um, yeah, it was a very good bit of advice that I got told and, and, and it helped me. Um, and I think Dulwich could be beneficiaries of players dropping out the league and, and without a club and, and wanting to play football. Another manager as well, we, we talked about obviously Danny Robinson at Hungerford, who's stepping up the levels this season, who's doing likewise is Lee Burcham, Hamill Hampstead, um, who's... Um, Rising up the leagues, he's come in, I think, from Berkhamstead, uh, who are having such a great season in, in step four. He's brought in a lot of players that he knows from those leagues. Um, he's, he's signed a lot of players from lower leagues. Now, some Hamill fans, I understand, are a bit worried about that, whether or not they have the quality to step up. Um, but I think we've seen time and time again that there are a lot of players at that lower level who can make the step up quite happily. Um, he's also brought in a lot of ability from this level. Um, he signed Ryan Sellers from Wilson. That's a good signing. He signed Ben Jefford from Oxford City. That's a good signing. And I actually think, I think he's got the makings of quite a decent squad there at Hamel. Yeah, they're, uh, they're a big club for this level of football. And um, I, I don't know too much about the two managers. Um, they're, they're stepping up again. And they've brought in players that they know. And... Um, there's so many players at step three and four that are, that are capable of playing step two and, and even higher. I'm, I'm sure he'd, he's gone through his recruitment process thoroughly. And yeah, Hemel, Hemel a big, big club for this level of football, very similar to St Albans. Um, they're, they're both big clubs for this level of football and I'm sure Hemel Hempstead, uh, if it's not this season, then then the following one or the, or the one after that, they'll be wanting to get out of this league to, to try and have a shot at step one. But um, re regarding sort of young players stepping up up levels, I think you've only got to look at Concord. What what Dan Scopes is doing there with with his with his management team and um, Adam Drew is a huge part of that. And the way they that scout the lower levels and and give people opportunities to step up and and look how well they've done in the trophy as well as sort of a comfortable mm. season, although it tailed off a bit towards the end. They've done exceptionally well last year. And I think their model, what they do do um, over at Concord, it, it is very, very good, and 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 it's a credit to them, really. Yeah, well, we're going to mention before we move on. Let's mention Concord. Congratulations! Then they have reached the FA Trophy final. It's kind of gone under the radar a little bit with everything that's gone on, and, and they'll play Harrogate Town, who are now an EFL uh, team. And, and what a, what an opportunity! It's just a shame that probably no fans will be allowed in to see it. Yes, uh, I, I think the big shame is for the supporters, to be honest. Um, I, I don't. I think the players it'll still be the same, even without fans. Uh, I mean, who who gets the opportunity to play at Wembley and 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 those Concord. Uh, those Concord players probably thought it would never happen to them but the FA Trophy is, is a competition that, that even at Hungerford we got to the quarterfinals when I was a player and got knocked out by Gosport who I think got to the final as well it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity to get to Wembley that I think a lot of Step two clubs should should realistically think they can achieve that, and um, it's a credit to Concord. They they obviously lost their manager from last season, lost a lot of players, but Dan Scopes has come in, obviously has has the history with the Cowley brothers, and and again another chairman that that does thing does seem from looking from afar seems to do things right sticks his head on the sticks his neck on the line to stand up for what's right and he's getting the ground up together and stuff like that and and for all of Ant Smith's hard work it's um it's good to see them at Wembley yeah I second that I think that it's a it's a real achievement for a club of Concord size because they're not just a step two club are they they are they're a club who are punching above their weight to be at this level um and as, as you rightly say a lot of that credit 
managers come and go, but Ant Smith is the consistent, and, and a lot of that credit does go to him. Sam, Sammy Moore, he was did a good job there. Um, then he moved to Hamill and maybe did less of a good job there. Um, but different clubs, different managers. It doesn't always fit, does it? Um, one manager who is pretty consistent and he, he seems to always be there is Ian Allenson. Um, and he is, I think he he knew that last season couldn't be repeated by St Albans. Um, he, he's spoken in the press about that. He, he said that that was a one-off and, and it can't be allowed to be repeated. And I think he's gone about making sure that it won't be. Um, I think bringing Karen Wiltshire from Oxford City is a really good signing. Bringing Sean Jeffers from Chelmsford is a really good signing. Um, he's picked over the Braintree squad and brought in Michael Johnson, who was probably one of their, their few highlights last season as well. And I think, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about this. I think St Albans are going to have absolutely none of the trouble, trouble that they had last season. And also, um, with, the, with Ian Allenson, he's, he's heavily involved in the commercial side of the club as well, using his, his background in sales and his, his football experience. So as you say, he knows... He knows the ins and outs of the club, what the budget is, what the money's coming in, what money's going out. So that that's a big advantage as well, isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, it is an advantage. Obviously, he's taken a lot of responsibility filling those two roles. Um, was last season a, a bit of an anomaly? I don't know because a few seasons before that, they were always up there or thereabouts. So with an opportunity to win the league, actually, on a couple of, couple of seasons, and then sort of fell away drastically towards the end and didn't even make the playoffs. Um, obviously, start of last season, they put their tickets up to £18 to get into what's that two football. So, um, I think, yeah, anything like last season will will be unacceptable to those supporters. And, and he's a tough cookie, Ian Allenson. He's, he knows what he's doing and, and I'm sure it won't be through lack of trying if they're down where they are again this season. But like I said, it's, it's another huge club for the level of football and it's got a wonderful catchment area. And um, yeah, they're, they're, they should they should be looking to get up in, in and around the playoffs. I wonder how many people asked for refunds on that 18 quid last year. <laughs> <laughs> That, that, is a, that is a crazy amount of money to be watching step two football, isn't it? And it, what was Hungerford? It's 14 quid, was it? 12 quid, I think. Lowest it can be. I believe yeah. the league set the, set the, um, set the, set the, um, what, what you have to pay for fans to get in. So it's 12 quid. So we've got three more clubs left to cover. Um, we'll start with Chelmsford. Um, now Chelmsford, I think, again, they've, they've gone for quite an interesting approach this summer. Um, Robbie Simpson, obviously reasonably recent in the managerial hot seat. But he knows the club inside out, doesn't he? Um, so he will have got he will have, he will taken on that job and pretty much known what he wanted to achieve straight away. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be difficult for him. He he's kept a lot of the players from last season, sort of some of the experienced experienced lads at the back. Um, him and Mickey Spillane obviously know the club, know know the um, know the group of lads they've got, and know the level well. Obviously, they they've kept hold of um, Church, centre midfielder. I think is an excep- exceptional player, and I used to love having battles with him. But um, I don't know. I don't know. There's just something about Chelmsford. They probably should be doing better. Rod, Rod Stringer used to get them in the playoffs every season. Last year, they were they were a little bit out of it. Um, I think, and I think it could be hard for Robbie. Um, first first season, first full season as a manager in in these conditions as well that we're that they're working under I think they might have a difficult season and I think you can look at their business as well and you see they've had to cut their cloth accordingly um you know we've talked about there are obviously players to be had at step four but I think five of their signings this summer have come from step four or below um now that is that is a change in how Chelsea have gone about things you know Chelsea have typically looked to pick out the cream of the talent in that Essex non-league community it's a different approach and I think I think you're right. I think the days where we looked at Chelmsford and said, right, well, there's your losing playoff finalist um, at the beginning of the season. Maybe those days have passed, certainly for the time being. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, new manager brings new ideas, doesn't it? And it looks that way with the recruitment. Um, they perhaps used to go for older experienced heads that have, that have dropped down from a higher level, I think. And I think um, one big player that they'll miss is um, Chris Weltdale, who's gone to Eastbourne. Um, I think he's a very, very good footballer, and I think they'll miss him a lot. The bit also, well, Darren, who's from the Corrit Army podcast, he sometimes comes on and said, mid-table are worse for us this season, which I think they take and push. He chuck in the whole sort of Gary Hill saga as well, which kind of um, disrupted the club towards the end of the season as well. Was um, Didn't really help, did it? No, I think I think um, we beat 
we beat them at Hunger for 1-0 and then Rod lost his job after that. But I still thought they'd get up in and around the playoffs um, last season. But yeah, he lost his job. There was uncertainty. Were they going for a new man, keeping Robbie in charge? Robbie had a few good results. I think they beat Wealdstone um, at the back end of last season. So there's a bit of turbulent time and um, they've tried to, it seems like they've tried to have a bit of continuity with, with Robbie keeping hold of the job. Um, but yeah, it's, it, as Tom says, I think, I think the days of, of the days of um, them being in the playoff finals are, are few and far between currently. And obviously you mentioned Chris Welkdale and talked about him going to Eastbourne. Um, let's look at them next as well. So under Danny Bloor, they're a difficult team to beat, but they also don't pick up a huge amount of victories. Um, they're a compact squad. It's a very hard place to go. It's a long travelling day for a lot of teams in the National League South, I'm sure. When you were at Hungerford, it wasn't one of your favourite away trips to have to make. Do you think they'll be down at the bottom end of the table this season or have they, have they got enough to, to cement themselves in mid-table? No, I think they'll be bottom half, personally, although they signed, a, a, like I say, a very good footballer in Chris Woutdale. He can't, he can't do it all on his own. I've got to be honest, I haven't seen much of their other sort of recruitment. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a hard place to go. Um, but they've got a good surface in the sense of the 3G pitch, which a lot of teams this year would be used to. Um, but I think it'll be a tough season for them again this season. But again, they're a club that, has, that doesn't get thousands of fans through the door. And I think step two for them is a very good level of football. And I'm sure if they, if they sort of are safe again next season, it'll be a bit of a success. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, uh, and then the final team, of course, is Oxford City. Um, We've talked about a couple of players who've, who've departed the club this summer and, and big players as well. The likes of Karen Wiltshire and, uh, and, and Craig King have both moved out. Um, but I think they've signed reasonably sensibly as well. I think Harvey Bradbury uh, knows what it, he's had a couple of loans at this level, um, come from Millwall now. I think he knows what it takes to put the ball in the net at step two. Um, he's a handful to play against as well. Um, you know, you see him from the sides. So I don't think defenders particularly enjoy playing against him. Um, what do you think of Ox's chances? I think they'd be okay. I think they could be a surprise package. Again, um, Harvey, I, we had Harvey on loan two seasons ago um, from Watford, and he'd done so well against Oxford United in a, in a friendly. Oxford signed him, and then he come on loan to us from that, and um, then moved to Woking on loan. He's he's a great lad. Um, he is a handful, and um, he doesn't know where the back of the net is. So so yes, yeah, a very good signing. For them, um, they've got a good manager in David Oldfield. Um, obviously, very experienced. I think he's a pro license, a license or pro license coach as well. Um, so hopefully, he can get his ideas across. But they've got they've got another constant as well, Justin Merritt, who I think might be chairman now or director of football or something like that. Um, he has a lot of hands on hands on things to do with the club and the football, and and he they get their recruitment right and. Um, the lad that's got that scored all the goals season before last and is doing ever so well for for Boar and Wood. They um, they tend to do get their recruitment done very good, and they've got um, Joe Osler, that centre back, who, who's a good defender, good leader, good organizer for this level of football. And I think I think they'll do okay this year. Yeah, I mean, I think like they're, they're you know you talk about their recruitment being spot on. I think their purchase or their signing of Janai Gordon at the back end of last season, he was a you know, he was well thought of and there was a lot of clubs in for his signature. So there's clearly something about Oxford and maybe it is that, you know, that he can look at the example of Kabongo Shimanga and see where he's gone on to. Maybe it's that sort of draw that is going to help them take those up and coming players uh, who, who are quite sought after. Yeah, definitely. They, they, Oxford have got a track record of, of bringing players in, help them improve and, and going on to better levels. And it's something that I try to do and it's something that I try to use, use players in as, as an example. The likes of Marva Katita and Joe Tomlinson and any advice for any young players out there who are contemplating their next move is, is do your homework. Do your homework on a manager because at the end of the day, managers could, can turn into salesmen in in the in the summer and you can't and as a player you've got to, you've got to sort of know the move you're making is right is the right one for you. So speaking of players' moves, um, you know we talked about some of the players who've made the step up over the summer, such as Joan Royunger up to the football league, and, and there have been others. 
Is there anyone who, who really stands out to you in the National League South this season as being a player who you think, actually, yeah, you're ready to play Football League? Um, it's difficult to say, but I, t- I touched on earlier Sam Deadfield. Um, both those two two players at Hampton, Sam Deadfield and, and Ryan Hill, I'm really excited to sort of see how they get on. But yeah, it's different. There's, there's obviously a lot of players and, and I'm sure there's one or two that, that are known to do ever so, ever so well as well. Um, also excited to see how Alfie Rutherford gets on at um, Dorking because I think it could be a big season for him. Yeah, agreed. And, and I think Tom Smith as well. I know he, it's not a surprise to him, is it? He was player of the season last year, but he's got he's he's almost a complete package in that attacking midfield, isn't he? Um, he can strike from distance. He can hit the book at the right time. He's a powerful player as well. Yeah, he um, he actually does a lot of one to one of our players, um, John Watson at Fairford, who's an exceptional sort of strength and conditioning performance coach, recovery coach. Does a lot of work with Tom Smith as well. So he's got that attitude to 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 do extra away from Bath City. Um, he he's had a taste at Swindon. He's had a taste at Cheltenham, and it hasn't worked out for him. And now he's doing exceptional at Bath. Um, and, and I think Jerry's found the position to get the best out of him as a centre midfielder because can he play in a two? Probably not. Um, but with as a three in midfield or playing as number 10, one of the well, off the front striker, um, he's exceptional and he, he pops up in pockets of space. And, and like you say, you, you only have to look at his highlight reel to, for, for, the, for the technique of, of scoring goals outside the box. So, so yeah, I'm sure he'll, he'll have a very similar season. FA Cup starts on Saturday, second qualifying round. It's been a National League South club's first game. So do you think some may be undercooked? Do you think we'll see more upsets than normal? Um, I think there could be a few out there. Um, the, the ones that are playing a step two or step three club, um, even us. Unfortunately, we got knocked out against, against Charlotte. Um, I, I was hoping we'd get through and get a step two club at home because we've hit the ground running. Some of the... Some, Step four clubs even have, have been playing for three, four weeks. It's going to be straight into the FA Cup for step two clubs. And it's going to be difficult. The first game of competitive football for us at Fairford, it was hard it, because everyone's had so long off and, and pre-season friendlies aren't the same. I don't care what anyone says. You try and make them the same, but they're not the same as a competitive game. So, um, yeah, I think there might be a few few different results to normal. So, final words, uh, obviously, to you, Ian. Um, we've talked about the runners and riders. We've talked about who we think could be down the wrong end of the table come the business end of the season. Um, who are you picking for the two promotion spots and who do you think is going down? Dorkin and Haven for me. Um, I think they're bat- battle it out at the top. Um, and then to go down Braintree Brill that's excellent well Ian thank you for your time uh, and join us and, and have a good season uh, with Fairford and hopefully we'll see you uh, in a dugout as well in, in, in the future So maybe at step two uh, yeah and also Tom uh, thank you for joining us and uh, we'll enjoy your uh, Hampton Richmond River fanboy yeah. throughout the season <laughs> it's always a pleasure <laughs> Brill uh, that is it don't forget to join us for our National League North podcast, which you can hear now as well. If you go to our Twitter site, at NL Full Time, click on the link there. Uh, Until then, thank you very much for listening.